Hi everyone, welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. As of this week, more than 1 million residents of San Diego County have been vaccinated. Paul Sisson has the story. Then, San Diego County is ending gang injunctions. Chris Reed shares his take. First, the news. A bill that aims to fix loopholes that have allowed cases of charter school fraud in California passed a key assembly committee Wednesday. The State Assembly Education Committee voted 5-2 to two to advance the bill to the Appropriations Committee. The Education Committee's two Republican members voted no. Education Committee Chair Patrick O'Donnell, a Democrat from Long Beach, has said he introduced AB 1316 to prevent future charter school scandals, including ones like the A3 charter school case. In that case, operators of the online charter school network manipulated enrollment numbers to fraudulently obtain hundreds of millions of dollars in state education funding. The sweeping bill contains a variety of measures that mostly address online charter school accountability, finance, and operations. Community leaders on Wednesday urged the County Board of Supervisors to pass a resolution supporting a federal police reform bill named after George Floyd. The Board of Supervisors will decide Tuesday whether to direct the Chief Administrative Officer to support the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act on the county's behalf. Among several reforms, the legislation would ban chokeholds, racial profiling, and qualified immunity. Qualified immunity is a court-established concept that shields police officers and other government officials from lawsuits, except in cases in which officials violate, quote, clearly established constitutional rights. San Diego County is in the midst of a brief warm spell that will peak on Friday when temperatures reach the upper 70s to low 80s at the coast and the 90s in many inland valleys and foothills. The highest non-desert temperatures will occur in Escondido, which will be expected to hit 93 degrees, and El Cajon, which will top out at 92. Even Julian will be hot, reaching 81 degrees, according to the National Weather Service. Forecasters say the winds will turn sharply onshore over the weekend, preventing San Diego from climbing above 69 degrees on Saturday and 67 degrees on Sunday, when a marine layer could shroud the sun all day at local beaches. As of Wednesday, more than 1 million San Diegans have been fully vaccinated. That means that nearly a third of the county's population has now received both vaccine doses or just a single Johnson & Johnson shot. Another half million people are awaiting their second shots, making it likely that the 1.5 million mark is just around the corner. The county thinks getting the next 500,000 people will be tougher, though. Paul Sisson covers healthcare at the UT. Well, why is demand for COVID vaccines slowing down in San Diego County? You know, we don't have any perfect answer to that. Uh, The county did a survey back in December and January. And, um, you know, some people just indicated that they were were reluctant uh, because they weren't sure that all the evidence was particularly sound or perfectly sound, I guess you'd say. Um, I spoke with Dr. Uh, Rodney Hood down in... uh, Southeast San Diego yesterday, you know, he's seen patients every day. He said that, that, that a lot of them are just kind of sitting on the fence and just kind of waiting to see whether the people they know who have gotten vaccinated experience any side effects. So I think there is a, a fair bit of fence sitting going on there. Uh, you know, the, the theory that was put forward at yesterday's uh, COVID press conference was, you know, everybody who really knew they wanted one and was eager to get one has now 
pretty much had an opportunity to get at least their first shot. So we've kind of burnt through those eager folks uh, very quickly. And so now we're down to folks who just maybe are, are just having a sense that, geez, I don't know if this thing is really as good as they say it is. I kind of want to see what happens to my friend or my spouse or my grandmother or what have you. Uh, you know, and I, th I think with any any new medicine, I think that's to be expected. I think that's probably always what happens. We're just paying a lot more attention right now than we usually do. So what number do we need to get to to reach herd immunity? So we have about, I mean, we can count it. It sounds like uh, one and a half million, but is, is there a magic number out there? And are we expected to reach it? The county says that we need uh, just a little over two million people in San Diego County, age 16 and older, to be vaccinated in order to reach a condition of herd immunity. Um, that's about 75% of people who are age 16 and older. Uh, I think they will lower that overall percentage a bit uh, once they can vaccinate kids. Uh, but right now the vaccines aren't approved for anyone younger than 16 years old. So uh, that that means that they have to vaccinate a kind of a larger number, larger percentage of those who are approved for the vaccine, if that makes any sense. I guess it's all about the denominator at the end of the day. Where do vaccines for those under 16 years old stand? Uh, they are in clinical trials as we speak. It looks like the next group uh, that really is probably going to start getting vaccinated probably next month is uh, adolescents age 12 to 16 or 12 to 15, I guess you'd say. Um, and so the, you know, the two uh, mRNA vaccines, I believe both of them are in trials in um, younger kids, uh, Pfizer and Moderna. Uh, I'm not exactly sure about Johnson and Johnson. I, I think probably all three of them will be tested in, in younger uh, folks at some point. I'm not exactly sure about the timing of that, but that is coming, should be coming soon. You know, they just have to be very careful in terms of trying to test a representative sample of the population and not, not leave out any demographic groups because a vaccine can sometimes perform somewhat or, or very differently uh, depending on, on your, your DNA. So, uh, so they have to be careful that they test enough people in each group to actually feel like they've really researched this enough. The CDC said this week that fully vaccinated people don't need to wear masks outside unless they're in large crowds. Um, is there any other guidance out there we should be aware of? Like what are generally the rules right now for vaccinated people? Right. Uh, you know, generally they they want you to continue wearing a mask indoors. Uh, these vaccines are thought to be about 90 percent effective. So that that means that you still have some chance, not a very large chance, but some chance of, of getting infected. Uh, you know, if you have been va fully vaccinated and, and the county updated us uh, yesterday regarding the number of people who have actually gotten sick. Uh, after they've been fully vaccinated. Uh, I think they said that's approaching 300 people in San Diego now. Uh, the number is, you know, of people who would be susceptible, you know, given that we've we've now fully vaccinated over 900,000 people and actually a million people in San Diego as of yesterday. Um, you know, we, we could expect maybe 100,000 people out there might be susceptible to infection if they were exposed. Uh, so 300 people is not really 
so many. We, you know, there, there should be a lot more people out there who are susceptible. Uh, so, so anyway, uh, that that's why they want you to, to continue wearing a mask indoors. Uh, you know, in, in terms of the situation where we don't yet have herd immunity and that we're still seeing, you know, 150 to 350 new cases coming in every day. Uh, you know, it's still circulating in the community, uh, and so until that stops, I think you're probably going to see situations where you have crowds uh, still be uh, recommended to have masks. The state says water parks can now open about at about 25 percent. Uh, what is the next development that San Diegans can look forward to uh, opening? I mean, the next big development is going to be June 15th when uh, the entire tier reopening system is supposed to completely go away. So, you know, it should be all wide open again uh, by mid-June. So, you know, we'll see if that actually happens. Uh, the governor has said, look, um, if cases continue to drop, that's what we're going to do. If we see a spike in hospitalizations, uh, then all bets are off and we might have to keep the tier system around for a while longer. But, um, you know, in California right now, it's just looking very very steady. You know, we're seeing a steady amount of uh, hospitalizations and, and cases coming in. Um, you know, and we can expect as as a greater percentage uh, of the population gets vaccinated in the next few weeks. Uh, gosh, I mean, you would expect cases to really start plummeting. Now for opinion, Chris Reed is the deputy opinion editor at the UT. Chris, the editorial board, which we both belong to, put out an editorial this week supporting the San Diego County DA's decision to lift injunctions on street gangs. First, can you just share some background with me? You know, what what is an injunction and, and what is the history of them in the county? Well, they uh, date back like so many terrible ideas to the Los Angeles Police Department of the 1970s. Because they had a problem with gangs, they persuaded uh, uh, the state to pass a law that allows uh, a, dis a district attorney or a city attorney to seek what's called the street gang injunction that is amazingly restrictive. It basically says that people identified as gang members cannot leave certain areas, cannot congregate, sometimes even with their own family members. And it's just astounding that they, the constitutionality of it was held up. But with gangs exploding around California in the 1970s and 1980s, many other cities soon took this course, including San Diego, which led to a famous 1983 Supreme Court case in which San Diego was criticized for how it was doing it. But these policies persist, even though that it's been for obvious forever that they're horrible because they last a lifetime and crime is a young man's game. That's the single most prominent finding in criminology is that most crime is committed by young men. And yet here these 50 year old, 60 year old men who are saddled with a lifetime injunction that dates back from when they were teens. So the outrageousness has been there forever, but it's only lately with criminal justice advocates making inroads that they're beginning to be heard. But they're still amazingly common and they're still amazingly disruptive to people who want to get a job or who want to move to another place or want to get a good education. They're also used, they're also held against people in housing decisions. So the, their harshness cannot be exaggerated. Genevieve Jones-Wright, who is a member of the city's Commission on Gang Prevention and Intervention and also a member of our community advisory board, um, applauded the move but said that elected officials don't deserve the credit here that community activists do. Will you tell me more about that? Sure. Genevieve has been such a pioneer on police reforms and such a strong and clear voice for years. 
And she and many other people have uh, long decried the, the gang injunctions because they're just so absurdly broad and they're so harmful to people who haven't, in some cases, even been committed of a crime. So she's absolutely right to make the point that uh, District Attorney Summer Steffen should have uh, included others uh, and not just pat herself on the back. She also took some shots on Twitter at Mayor Todd Boria, who seemed to suggest that this was only being done because he proposed it three weeks ago. So there's more than one politician that Genevieve isn't thrilled with in this case. But she's absolutely right. Community activists were the first person to point out how horrible these things were. And they haven't gotten nearly enough support from groups like the ACLU over the years. It's literally amazing to me that these laws are remain in place or considered legal after 50 years of being abused. Okay, so, so something that really surprised me about this is, you know, you said people can have an injunction put on them, even if they're not you know, convicted of any criminal activity. How did that work? They persuaded the state, the Los Angeles Police Department persuaded the state legislature to write a law that basically says, if we can establish there's reason to suspect somebody is a gang member, we can immensely punish them. And it's just, it seems to me incredible that it's, it wasn't found unconstitutional. Now, there were two Supreme Court rulings, the one involving San Diego and one involving Chicago, in which uh, looser rules were slapped down. But the, the rules remain ridiculously loose. Imagine facing a lifetime of sanctions for not even committing a crime. It's, it's one of the true things that have outraged civil libertarians in America for decades, and now they're finally being heard. I feel like this is one of many examples of recent criminal justice reform, you know, at the county, the city level, kind of throughout the region. Um, you know, what do you think of reforms that were done recently and, and what more do you think needs to be done? Well, I think the bail reforms are important and we'll see how they work out. Uh, hopefully they work out well. Sentencing reforms really, really need to be uh, changed. America locks people up for longer than any nation in the world, with the possible exception of communist China. And yet we have a, a, a crime problem that is as bad or worse than many of the nations that have much, much laxer policies. Now, the, there's fundamental problems with America that, uh, that no other nations or generally have, in our first world nations at least. We have so many guns that we're always going to have a problem with gun violence. But I do think that the most basic and fundamental problem of all is the fact that police often do not step in when they see a colleague do something wrong. There really is the, you know, the code of silence that really does continue to affect policing. And I think that the body cams have changed that dynamic a bit because now people realize that if they don't intervene, that, that, you know, that they'll be held to account too, like the three officers besides Derek Chauvin in, in Minneapolis. So I think change is coming. But I think as long as police continue to see the world as an us versus them situation, and I've talked to police officers who absolutely feel that way, I don't see problems uh, you know, uh, coming down uh, with the speed with which everyone probably hopes. You can find these stories online at sandiegouniontribune.com. I'm Christy Totten, host of the San Diego News Fix. Thanks for listening.